Hi, I'm Doug the Neighbor, and welcome to my podcast, Doug the Neighbor Podcast, coming to you from the Possum Trot Studios here in awesome Austin, Texas. We have a very special guest. I've been trying to get him to the podcast, the Doug the Neighbor Podcast, for the last six months, ever since we started uh, Doug the Neighbor Podcast. So we have a very, very special guest. He's a fine friend. And he is a neighbor, and we will uh, introduce him in just a second. But first, let's do a little bit of housekeeping before we begin. Our podcast listeners know that we have Jojo Bear here, our vice president in charge of production, and Dr. Pepper. He is overseeing all of the uh, production of Doug the Neighbor podcast. He is here, and let's get to the weather window yes there it is absolutely beautiful outside it's 70 degrees and always sunny in awesome austin texas now your sports report for today again the dallas cowboys are out of it so there's not much to talk about there they have a new coach And, uh, you know, Joe McCartney uh, from the uh, Green Bay Packers, he's going to be the new coach. But on a positive note, baseball season, spring training starts in six weeks. So, yes, then the glorious Texas Rangers are moving into a domed stadium finally. Okay, for our shoppers, we have the Bluebell Price Ice Bluebell Ice Cream Price Index for you, to shopping tip for you. Yes, over at the CVS, you can get two pints of Bluebell Ice Cream for $5, which is a very, very good deal. And here in awesome Austin, Texas, at the Goodwill, Today and tomorrow, it is 50% off at the Goodwill today and tomorrow. So take advantage of that. Now, that is the housekeeping for Doug the Neighbor's podcast. We have our Dr. Pepper here, and I would like to welcome Enrique Montesante, who is my neighbor. Enrique, glad to have you here. Hello, Doug. How are you today? I'm very happy to be here. Definitely. You're very happy to be here. Glad to have you here. Let's get you some more uh, Dr. Pepper here. We love Dr. Pepper. It is a Texas product from Waco, Texas. There you go. You were thirsty there, Enrique. I was, indeed. <laughs> I love Dr. Pepper. It's our, uh, I guess, pretty much our regional soft drink, you know. Right. We're proud of being in Texas and having Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. And Bluebell ice cream. It's also our own native product. From Brenham, Texas. Yes. Yes. It's always at home. Uh, (laughs) Always at home. Enrique, we are very happy to have you here. Uh, I have known you since the beginning of when I moved to Austin, Texas in 2013. We are fine friends. And I'm glad to have you here at the podcast. And let's begin. What to... uh, introduce you to the podcast listeners. What is your name? My name is Manuel Enrique Monsante. 
Monsante. Now you have a little bit of an accent. Where are you from? I'm originally from Lima, Peru. From Lima, Peru. South oh, America. Okay, okay. Well, I will get into that. That's glad to have you here. That's great. Now, Manuel Enrique Montesante. Monsante? Monsante. Monsante. Are you named after your father, grandfathers, family members? Yes, indeed. My first name, Manuel, it belongs to my grandfather on my mom's side. And my... Middle name is belongs also to my grandfather on my father's side. Oh, that's great. So Manuel I'm, Enrique. Manuel Enrique, after well, my grandparents. After your grandparents. Oh, I love that. I love that. Indeed. Very on, honoring your family members. Yes, indeed. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. indeed. Yes. Manuel, now, Monsante, does that mean anything? Yeah, I think it means uh, a same mountain. Okay, a mountain. A mountain, but is Sante is also saint. Oh, so okay. Mount and then Saint. So I think it's a is it the translation. If you translate that in Spanish or French, it goes back to a, a mountain, a mountain, uh, a saint mountain. Uh, oh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Now, have you? Where were you born? I was born in Lima, Peru. Okay. But Monsante is a last name that comes from Italy. But the last name Monsante comes from Italy. From Italy. Oh, okay. So that's a good question. Who have you ever done your DNA? No, I should haven't yet. Uh, I will kind of like to because uh, I know that we go back five generations. We are actually my great great grandfather was from Genoa, Italy. Oh, your great-great-grandfather. So we are five generations of Peruvian Italians. Now, do you happen to have any idea why your great-grandfather came from Genoa, Italy to Lima, Peru? No, that was in the beginning of the 18th century, so yes. it's interesting. I never knew why was the reason why they immigrated from Italy okay. to Peru. Peru, okay, that's very interesting. A little family history there. Yeah, I think it was very interesting because he came with a brother who we never knew anything about him. We only, we lost uh, the, uh, we knew that he came with a brother, but we never knew anything about the brother. Lost contact. Lost contact, or maybe he died, who knows what. Oh. But my great-great-grandfather is the one that was able, we were able to trace down. I always still have pictures and Oh. It's interesting. How that, that's that's very, very interesting. It may be the DNA may help you in solving why he came to uh, uh, Peru from you, Genoa and you are your family right. members. You are right, uh, Doug. Uh, that DNA gives us the opportunity to kind of like reinforce right. certain uh, knowledge right. that we have. And look at your family history. I yeah. see what yeah. else is there, right? What else is there? Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, when uh, when I, when we started, I introduced you to Jojo Bear, our vice president in charge of production, and Dr. Pepper. When you were growing up, did you have a teddy bear? You know what? I don't think I had a teddy bear. No, no. When I was uh, very very young, I think what I had was a soccer ball. You had a soccer ball. So yeah. 
Oh. I think that was probably one of my best, uh, or my first presents, or my first uh, gift that I remember when I was little. Uh, a soccer ball. A uh, number four uh, soccer ball. Okay. <laughs> a number four? Number four soccer ball, which is uh, a size of uh, the soccer uh, ball four, for, four. for younger people. For younger people. A number four. Number oh, four. No, I like that. I like that. Yeah, now, uh, did you have a pet when you were growing up? You know what? Yeah, we did. I grew up, we had a, uh, I think it was a boxer. I I remember when I was growing up, my family owned a boxer. A boxer. Okay. Well, we great had. animals. Yes, beautiful dog. And do you remember the name of the uh, the boxer? Yeah, her name was Wendy. Wendy. Oh, Wendy. Yeah. Super, super cute. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's, that. that's great. That's great. Now, uh, you were living in Lima, Peru. Where did you go to high school? I went to uh, Marist Champagnat. Marist. Champagnat. Champagnat. Uh huh. It's a. It's a. It's a pretty much a um, private Catholic school. Private Catholic school. Okay. Now, did in South America do the schools, the high schools, have mascots like we have here in the United States? Like the Longhorns for UT, Longhorns or Tigers or Bears for the University of Florida. No, they don't. I don't think. I'm trying to. Think very hard, and I don't think we identify our high schools with any um, animals or mascots oh, okay. as, a, okay. as a symbol. Okay. And now, when you're in high school, uh, did you participate in the choir or in the uh, drama club or anything like that? You know what? Yes. Uh, when I was in high school, I was actively involved on, on soccer. Soccer, gymnastics, and swimming. Oh, so very much sports oriented. Ninety percent. Ninety percent. I okay. think so. Ninety percent. I was more into sports, and and in, in high school. Oh, okay. All right. Now, uh, and this was in Lima, Peru. Correct. Oh. That was in Lima, Peru, on on uh, Marist Champagnat. Marist Champagnat. Champagnat School. High school. High school. Okay. Now, uh, where did you go to college? I, I went to college to Ipai, which is uh, the Peruvian Institute of Business Administration School. Peruvian uh, it's a, uh, Institute. It's an of... institute. Instituto Peruano. Institute Peruvian of Business Administration. Of business administration, and uh -huh. what did you study? Uh, I, I was studying business. Studying so business. Oh, I oh okay. Business in, in Lima. Oh, oh, studying business in Lima. Now, when you were in college, did you have a your first car in college? Yes, I did. I remember I had a um, a Fiat. A Fiat. A Fiat. It was a it was a green Fiat, uh, a sedan, four door. I even remember having a little rack on the top because we, we surf in Lima. We grew up surfing, so we had a surfboard on the top of the car. And it was a Fiat, I think, 124. Uh, what color? I think it was, it was green. Green. It was and green. about what year? Uh, probably on the late 60s model, I would say. Okay. Maybe 68, 69. 68, 69, 124 yeah. Fiat Grand. Yeah. Did was... you give the, the car a name? You have uh, <laughs> fond thoughts of it. Yeah, we, we did. We did. We called it the, uh, uh, I guess, uh, La Máquina Verde, which means uh, 
the green machine. Green machine. Yeah. Would you say that one more time for me, please? The La Máquina Verde or the green machine? <laughs> the green machine. Uh, that was a great uh, car. Uh, it was fun to go after work, catch the highway 20 minutes from downtown Lima uh -huh. and hit the beach. Mm. That close. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. We will leave at work 2.30 on the summertime. Right. Back in the, in the 70s and the 80s, the, uh, the banks only worked until 2.30. So oh. we were able to leave at 2.30 and we were at the beach at 3 o'clock able to oh, go and serve. Well, well, you mentioned the bank and that leads up to my next question. What was your first job after college? Oh, that's good. That's a very good question because right while I was in college, I uh, had the opportunity to go to work for... Um, the Amazon Bank. Amazon Bank. Okay. It was uh, a regional bank from the rainforest of Peru. Right. Which encompassed maybe uh, 18 or between 15 and 18 branches throughout the region of the Amazon okay. in Peru. So what did you do for I the Amazon? At the, I worked at the, at, the, not at the headquarters in Lima, uh -huh. okay, in the capital. I worked at the headquarters. At the, uh, I was in charge of... Uh, Fun regional coordinator. I started as a teller, but I moved up uh -huh. and ended up coordinating uh, the transportation of funds throughout the region oh, right. so, uh, so, internally. Okay, so within the bank, within the bank, cash money has to be transferred back. Right, we will do uh, like a transfers that we physically had to take the cash. Right, okay. to 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 different branches in the uh, Amazon region. Right, and pretty much it was just you know we were. Um, um, working uh, on, on, I would say, um, supplying national currency to our branches on that oh, okay. on that region. But you did start out as a teller, so, yeah, and then you moved on up, right? In the first year, I was a teller. The second year, I became a vault supervisor. Okay, and on the third year, because the bank wasn't doing too many of these transfers, they created a new position as a fund regional coordinator, and the bank promoted me as a. Oh, very good. So, so I you did were, move up a little bit in three you're, years. You're a go-getter. I, I tried to be always. Go-getter. Okay. <laughs> to be always. Now you were telling me an interesting story that after you uh, were working in Lima for a couple of years, you came to the United States. Where did you go? Interesting. I was able. I was able to. Um, I was able to really. Um, uh, I have an opportunity to come to Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Which Why is, Louisville, Kentucky? Well, Louisville, Kentucky. I met my uh, my first wife in Lima. Okay. Okay. And uh, she invited me to come here after I met her in Lima, uh, and I did. I visited her and I was with her for almost a month in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was really. Um, I, it really changed my life. Okay. Because I decided to pursue her, uh -huh. so I went back to Lima, I quit my job, sold my car, and then I moved to Kentucky. To where in Kentucky? Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville? Louisville. 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 We would call it Louisville. Uh -huh. The Ville. Louisville. Uh -huh. and, uh, and really, I was there. It's for a great love story. It's a very nice, interesting place, too, because I was able to go to school there. Okay. Upper, uh, what, I can what learn school, more English. What, what school is there? Uh, I, I end up going to um, to the University of Louisville. L University of Louisville, so, a great basketball powerhouse. Very yeah. much so. Cardinals, uh, Cardinals great, yes. great uh, basketball country. I would say it's right. a basketball country, right. which is um, you know 
the University of Kentucky, University of Louisville, mm. Indiana University, mm. all that university and colleges around that area are right. such a good basketball programs. And what did you study at the University of I did Louis continuing studies because I was going in co to college in Lima. See, I, I just went ahead and continued my studies. Oh, I see. In, in business. In business. And, oh. uh, and I ended up really uh, graduating and uh, ended up getting a teaching degree. So, uh, so I became a Spanish teacher. Uh, with, with, with a background in business, <laughs> so uh, I, I was it. I was able to uh, to work for two years as an Spanish instructor uh, and a Spanish teacher for two elementary schools in the Jefferson County Board of Education that be Louisville and Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, oh. interesting! Did you? Did you in, uh, what age groups were you teaching I, to? I, they were actually uh, fourth and fifth graders. Fourth and fifth graders would be about introduction nine, to nine, Spanish. Correct. Nine, ten, eleven. Uh -huh. That is correct. Around that age, between oh. nine and ten, eleven uh -huh. Uh -huh. years old. Um, I have five classes in the morning and four in the afternoon. Nine classes a day. So that's a full a load. It was a full load, but okay. it was very rewarding. Yes, I'm sure dealing with the children. I really like the fact that some of those children were amazingly interested in the language at such an early age that I knew that those will be eventually our. Our specialists, language specialists in the future. Oh, okay. Because they will be able to now, probably... Now, you leave Lima, Peru and go to Louisville because of love. After Louisville, where did you go? Oh, well, after Louisville, we moved to uh, Florida for, uh, for a while. We for, moved for a while. down there and that's where my two um, first kids grew up. Uh -huh. Christina and Enrique grew up in Florida uh -huh. and we were there for you know almost 12 years. And then you came to... Texas. Correct. Correct. I got hired by uh, McCormick Schmick Seafood Restaurants, which is a corporation, or it was, a corporation out of Portland, Oregon. Uh -huh. A very interesting concept, uh, fresh seafood. Um, I was able to open Dallas, okay, that store, the, the restaurant right. in Dallas. Right. And I think it was a year around the year 2001, somewhere around there. McCormick and, and Schmidt. But they and have Schmitz. other brand names for their restaurants. Yeah, right? I believe so. They have also M&S Grill. Yeah. They have uh, the Steakhouse McCormick and Schmix. Right. They have uh, several concepts under the same umbrella, which is McCormick and Schmix for restaurant. But now... The company has been sold. Well, this is America, so you never know which who owns what company now. Blah blah. Correct. But Correct. McCormick and Schmidt's is uh, idea of having one company umbrella and different brands under it. Uh, it's very very interesting. It is. Uh, I, I was able to be with them for almost nine years, and they actually invite me and they asked me if I could come here to Austin because after we open. After we opened Dallas, we were there for a year or so. We had a program uh -huh. here in uh -huh. Austin, Texas. We were ready to open a, a new store, a new restaurant at the tallest building in Austin, Texas, which was the Frostbank Tower. The Frostbank Tower at it, the time. At the time was being uh -huh. built the Frostbank Tower. I think it was the beginning of the boom here in Austin because uh -huh. that was the first skyscraper that was being built in downtown Austin after many, many, many years. Yes, yes. After 20 years, probably. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it was, uh, we were able to have skyscrapers in Austin and downtown. Wow. So when we came down, um, McCormick and Schmidt had the opportunity to be in the bottom of the Frostbank Tower. Right. We had at least for 25 years. So I came as a food and beverage manager right. in charge of the bar 
and the wine program. Right. Now, um, that brings up a great question, Enrique. Mm -hmm. When did you come to Austin to start your awesome Austin adventure? What is your Austin I day? The awesome, uh, the awesome day will be December 15, 2003. Three. December 15th. December 15th, two days before my birthday. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh -huh. And it was in 2003. It was a cold day, I remember. And when I went and I looked at the site <laughs> of, the, of the building that was actually already up, uh -huh. there was nothing in the bottom. It was a hole. Right, right. It yeah. was a hole. There was nothing on it. I say, my goodness. Where's the restaurant? <laughs> so, unbelievable. Um, that was the beginning of my adventure in this wonderful place, okay? That was the beginning of my uh, chapter working in downtown for nine years. Nine years. I'm holding on to a seafood restaurant, which was an outsider. We came here as an outsider right. concept, as a corporation, uh, into a market that is more friendly to local businesses. Yes. And we're just... You know, most likely local businesses will survive on that right, environment. Right. But you came here and you started your Austin adventure in two, December 15th, 2003. To our podcast listeners, I am here uh, at Doug the Neighbors Podcast and talking with our guest, Enrique Monsante, who is from Lima, Peru, and just told us a great story concerning his life in Peru, moving to Louisville, Kentucky for love, being a teacher, and now coming to Austin, awesome Austin, Texas, to work in a restaurant chain, uh, McCormick and & Schmitz, and we are very happy to have Enrique here. Now, Enrique, let us continue with your story. What are you doing now? Okay, good question. Um, now I have, um, I'm pretty much kind of like working for myself. An um, entrepreneur? Yeah, I could say that because I'm actually being able to do different things without having to work for the restaurant industry or to work for somebody. Right. So uh, what are you doing now? I am working uh, on the transportation business and delivery business. So I'm actually working for Uber. Uber? Uber uh, is, a, is a very interesting, uh, I guess it's probably one of the most revolutionary discoveries in public transportation in the last decades. Yes. Uber will have someone picking you up and taking you in less than five minutes for a very affordable price. So I'm driving for them maybe 20 or 30 hours a week. You drive for Uber, Uber 20, 20 to 30, 30 hours a week. A week. Okay. Also, I drive for Lyft. Okay, now, what is Lyft? Lyft is another TNC, which is a transportation network company. Okay. okay. They has uh, probably a little bit less of the share of the market that Uber has. So, you're able to work for Uber and you're able to work for Lyft. I believe that most of the drivers that work for Uber also drive for Lyft. But each of them choose their own TNC. Oh. Okay. They are more comfortable with. I am more comfortable with Uber because okay. I've been doing it with them for a little bit longer than any other. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Now, to our podcast listeners, who we all know what Uber is, and Enrique is driving for Uber and he's able to support himself and he also works for Lyft. So, Enrique, we have a couple of questions for you. Mm -hmm. You have your cell phone right there uh -huh. and you have your car. You get your instructions through the cell phone to go to a certain spot. 
and pick up somebody? Is that how it works? Correct, correct. The uh, Uber app, we're going to talk about the Uber app. The Uber app is, is actually uh, designed on, for you to accept the ride. As you accept the ride, it tells you who you're picking up and the location where the person is at. And, so, and you just follow the I map. just follow the GPS to the location. As I arrive to the location, I hit the button that I have arrived and right. it immediately generates a ride and it shows me the name, and the place where the person is going to go. Oh, okay. Now, I've used Uber before. I'm always amazed that the drivers don't have some sort of placard or light in the car on the passenger window or the driver's side that indicates this is a Uber car. Okay. Now, um, I'm on one of those... I am one of the most... Uh, I'm, a, I'm an offender on that because I don't have a visible emblem. Well, okay, I think it should be a company. There is. Still, there is. There is. When the car pulls up, there's some sort of sticker or something that 100%, says... hundred percent. I agree with you. And as a matter of fact, they have. Lyft has a lamp. Oh, they have a lamp. Oh, and Lyft. Uber, uh, Lyft. And Uber also has a lamp that they gave to their drivers, okay, to their top drivers. And right. I have one myself that it lights up. Right. So the person actually that received the ride can change the color of my lamp. Oh, it can right. put orange, so they will see, because sometimes the same car, Prius, there could be three or four Prius that are coming to pick up people, <laughs> you know, and the lady doesn't know which Prius, so, so she picked up orange right. on the lamp, and my lamp will turn orange as I approach her, or goes right. with that color. Right. Okay, I lost my lamp in a rental car when I was in Florida, right. so I don't have one now, so I have a little sticker. Well, it's a sticker that I laminated it and I just put it in the windshield. Okay, well, there you go. That because uh, how many times we have heard or read about situations where people get into the wrong car. A car pulls up and there's the wrong car. It's not an Uber car and problems have ensued. I, you are right about that. I, Safety is a major uh, concern for me. Doug the neighbor, free advice for a dollar to uh, Uber. My advice to them is that they... Drivers have some sort of little placard that lights up for night that's there that identifies this is an Uber car. Now, free advice for a dollar works if it's free, but if you like it, send me a dollar. <laughs> right. I like that. So pass that along to your Uber drivers. Now, you... Uh, there is no cash transaction, is there? No, there is not. Actually, we work uh, for tips as well. Right. So you are able to tip us with whether you want to tip us cash or you want to put that tip on the app. On the app. You but can you add get, a tip. You get all of the tips. 100%. Okay, now what portion of the ride do you get? Well, I always get 80%. I'm old school. I think that as uh, uh, some some new riders, uh -huh. I think they're getting 25 or they're paying 25. I belong to probably the OGs because I, I started here in Austin when Uber came in in 2014. Right. So I am on the old grandfather's rate, I guess it's called, which is 20% commission. So old grand OG, old grandfathers, right? I mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I think so because I'm only they only take 20% of my fares. Okay. They, you and no, I'm a little confused. You get eighty percent of the fee or twenty percent of no. The I do get. Let's say that the the ride is ten dollars. I okay. get eight dollars out of the ten. Oh, I see. So I you, take eighty percent. You because you're grandfathered in. Correct. Oh, gee, so you get eighty percent of the fee uh, of the ride because and then you get a hundred percent. Of the gratuity. Yes. 
Okay, yes. I see, I see. Okay. Yes. And, and I don't know if you knew this, but I thought just like Uber, there is so many other um, uh, TNCs like Lyft. I do mm. sometimes. Right. And also I do Rody. I don't know if you heard about Rody. Okay, please tell us about Rody. Rody is a, a website that actually transports goods. Okay. It could be a suitcase, or it could be a box, or it could be a load, or it could be something that you need a pickup truck because it's very heavy. Okay. We, so, so it's called roadie. Roadie. Like and a roadie gigs that we right, have, right? Right, right, right. On the road, roadie. Right. So, so roadie, as a, as a company, uh, some other companies, they want to move goods around, right. hire roadie, and roadie, we drive for roadie. So roadie right. will provide me with rides, taking and moving things around. Things. Okay. So yeah. now you were telling me that uh, how you, where you're doing work for Rudy, uh, roadie, what were you doing? Oh, we were actually, when I do roadie, I am moving suitcases. 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 I go from... to the airport and I picked up either from American Airlines, sometimes it's Delta or Southwest, which are the three most uh, busy accounts that right. Roddy uses for suitcases. And, and those are the suitcases that people lose on the fly or, or the airline misses it or sends it right. somewhere yes, else. Yes. And when they get back and retrieve the suitcases, they contact Roddy uh, and, and they label and they get that suitcase out through Roddy. And Roddy, many drivers like me work for Roddy as well. Okay. Because and closer to the airport, Roddy will give it to them. Okay. So you're working for Uber. Yes. You're doing gigs for Lyft. Indeed. Now, and now Roddy delivering uh, suitcases. Now, I, I, let's say I arrive in Austin and I go to a hotel. Uh, how much would, and, but my suitcase got lost or something. How much would you make from Roddy for delivering a Suitcase. I think it's based on the distance and the time, but it's just average like around $20, you know, okay. $20, for, for us to go ahead and take that suitcase from the airport right, all the way to either the hotel or your house. Okay, okay, all right. And it's a, it's a, it's a nice little compliment uh, oh, okay. to your okay. day. Or your sure, income. sure day. Okay. Now, you also mentioned, do you work for Uber Eats? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I try to do three times a week. I do uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 11 till 2. Sometimes oh, the lunch to, hour, lunch hour, which is a kind of like a busy time. What it is, uh, it enables us to go pick up from a restaurant in order that is supposed to be ready when I get to the restaurant. Right. Not always is. <laughs> That's okay. We we'll wait a few more minutes. But the thing is that you go, you pick up the order, and you just carry the order to the delivery. Once you receive the order on the app on my phone, I'll just press the button that I already got it. Yes. And immediately it shows me where I need to take it. So I initiate my ride right there of a delivery. Right. And, and I just drive, and I just drive the bag of food inside my, I do have a carry a warm bag, like a, Thir a thermal, 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 thermal bag. delivery bag yeah. to keep the food hot and right. take it to the, it could be a five minute drive, it could be a 10 minute drive, right. but we do have to get out of the car to get pick to, up the food at the restaurant. Now, you to, now that would be something at the airport, don't you have to park someplace? No, the Uber Eats is a restaurants that are 
associated with Uber Eats as in, in Okay, now what about roadie when you have to go park? Oh, roadie's airport. It's yeah, always you, to the airport. You have to go park somewhere. I have to go park. It's actually a $3 parking that I get to submit the receipt, right. and roadie will pay me those $3. Oh, oh I see, but you see. But just, I have to park. Right, right. I have right. to park because sometimes so, it's more than one suitcase, and you need, so yeah. some of the times, if I know it's only one suitcase, and there's no too much traffic, sometimes I can't, like, do the little thing that I just pull up by the gate because I know where the, yeah, yeah. the suitcases are. Yes. They're just outside that from the, okay, right. from there. It's just by the conveyor belt. Right. And I'll just do as much my numbers to that, grab it, I get it in the truck, and I leave. Oh, as simple as that. Okay. Yeah, it is. It so, could be simple. So, it depends on the time of the day. So, Enrique, let me backtrack here. You're born in Lima, Peru. Mm -hmm. You went to school in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. You lived in Florida, then Dallas. Now you're here in Austin. And you're working for Uber as your own boss, an entrepreneur. And you've made it work 100% for you because you are working for Uber People, carrying people with Uber. Mm -hmm. Uber Eats, carrying food. Mm -hmm. Working with Lyft, carrying people. And you're doing roadie, which is picking up packages, in your case, suitcases from the, uh, uh, the airport. You are an American dream. You are working, an immigrant from Peru, and you're making it work. You are an entrepreneur. You are what America is all about, Texas is all about, and Austin is about. That's just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Thank you, Doug. I really didn't think about all what you just said, but I mean, I guess you're probably right. One of the most important things, I believe, is to eventually be able to work for yourself. This is America. Right. You're an entrepreneur. And you're in Texas where we encourage people to work for themselves. Correct. And Austin, Texas, which is a boom town right now, and you're making it work. Indeed, being... it's happening. And yes. you know what? I think everybody can do it if you kind of like, you know, uh, make sure that you, you pretty much set up your your goals, you know, right. and, okay. and work so, hard for it. Okay. Now, uh, what, being as busy as you are, do you have any hobbies, Enrique? Uh, you know what? I uh, My hobby has always been, I think, uh, playing soccer. Soccer. Okay. Uh, I'm getting up there, so I'm not really <laughs> kicking it every day. But every Saturday, I try to make it. Sometimes I don't, but I try to make it at least a couple times or a month uh -huh. to this uh, park in, in Round Rock, Texas. It's only 25 minutes. Okay. To our podcast listeners, Round Rock is about 20 miles north of Austin, Texas. It's one of the fastest growing suburbs in the United States. So, Enrique, you drive on up to a park up there in Round Rock to play soccer. Yeah. Uh, throughout these years, they're here in awesome Austin, I have met so many very interesting Latin American uh, individuals right. that get together at this park on Saturdays at 10 o'clock uh -huh. every Saturday. And you know what? Just being able to get there, maybe even if it's for only 20 or 30 minutes and hang out with them and kick the soccer ball is something very gratifying to me. Oh, that's good. That's, that's my good. hobby. <laughs> your hobby. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, uh, you... Uh, 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 yeah. 
do you have any travel plans or or trips you've recently taken? I just came back from uh, spending Christmas and my birthday in Florida. As a matter of fact, I was in Orlando. Or Orlando? Orlando. Oh. I went to spend uh, uh, my birthday and Christmas with my son and my daughter. They live down in Florida. They ha have a couple granddaughters with one oh, and great. three granddaughters with the other one. So I try to really make it down there at least two or three times a year. Okay, that's true. Now, how do you say uh, grandfather in Spanish? Grandfather in Spanish is going to be abuelo. 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 Oh. But my name is Enrique, my middle name, and my kids, okay, uh -huh. are Americans. Well, two are Americans uh -huh. and two are Peruvian. But the ones that are in Florida, they cannot pronounce Enrique very well. So <laughs> I am... Papi K. Papi K. Papi K. K from Enrique. <laughs> okay. Okay, which is, you know, my, and they call me Papi K. Oh, so, Papi K. but the Papi K means grandfather. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love that. I That's absolutely terrific. <laughs> now, Enrique, you, uh, just an absolute pleasure having you here, interviewing you, and learning more about your life because we have, we have no, been neighbors. We are neighbors. Yes, and we've do. known each other for the last, uh, five years, six years. More than that, yeah. Yeah, a long time, and very, very interesting. And you've led such a very interesting life, and what you're doing now, working for yourself. What words would you give to your grandchildren or to a young people about what they should do concerning life, about leading a life very similar to yours? What would you tell them? I think... Um that's a very good question. Uh, if I were supposed to, or if I need to give an advice or some words of wisdom, I would tell our young generations to always do what their hearts and what their soul wants them to do. To do in life what they, they have passion for, which is going to be what you want to do in life. And I think we do need to... Uh, focus a little bit more in our own time and our family. I believe that now I'm able to spend more time with my family. Because you work for yourself. Because I work for myself. So I'm not saying that everybody should work for themselves. But if you want to have more time for yourself and for your family, eventually you want to work for yourself. You want to be an independent contractor or you want to be a self-employed. Right. And, and, this, I, and this is America, and, and it can happen. This is the land of opportunities, and it right. has been proved so many times. So just put your heart into whatever you want to do, and you will make it happen if you persistent, perseverance, and discipline. I think that is the combination of being able to be responsible. So I believe put your heart and your soul into what you want to do and work for it. God bless America, Enrique. God bless America, and I thank you, Doug, for actually the opportunity to come here, sit down here with your iPod, uh, the podcast, iPodcast, and uh, really enjoy um, seeing you again. I haven't seen you in a while, so I thank you. Thank okay. you for this opportunity. Thank you very much. Okay. To our podcast listeners, we have been talking with 
Enrique Montesante, my neighbor, who is originally from Lima, Peru, went to school in Louisville, Kentucky, lived in Florida, Dallas, and moved to Austin, Texas, and now works for himself in the transportation business and has really made it work for himself. He is a soccer hobbyist, and as his kind words, words of wisdom have have stated that he is concerned and working hard for his family. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. It's very obvious that Enrique takes his A, B, and K karma vitamins. Always be kind. We'd like to thank Enrique for being here. Call your mother. Make her smile. All the best.